This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is lighting designer Lindsay Adelman. Lindsay went out on her own in 2006 and scored a hit right away. Her debut piece, the now iconic branching bubble chandelier, was a huge success, and it was only the first of many. Sixteen years later, she's built a thriving bi-coastal business, with top designers and celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow among her enthusiastic patrons. I spoke with Lindsay about whether she thinks the industry is due for a slowdown, how imagining Donatella Versace was her client led to a breakthrough, and why designers need to embrace instinct, play, and humor in their work. This podcast is sponsored by Vaughn. Since 1983, interior designers around the world have looked to Vaughn for the finest decorative lighting, furniture, and accessories. Founders Lucy and Michael Vaughn, located in Hampshire, England, bring their artistic eye, discerning sense of style, and meticulous attention to detail to their in-house design studio, the heart of the company, where every product is designed. Renowned for their craftsmanship, quality, and for using the very finest materials, their UK factory employs an outstanding team of designers, engineers, and skilled workers who ensure the highest standards of production. All Vaughn lighting is UL listed and EMC tested to ensure that quality from the inside out. Represented in showrooms across the country, you can also explore the world of Vaughn on Instagram at Vaughn Designs. That's V-A-U-G-H-A-N Designs. Or online at VaughnDesigns.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Serena and Lily. With a dedicated trade team and design shops from coast to coast, Serena and Lily's exclusive trade program has the personalized service, products, and custom details you need to execute your vision seamlessly. From trade-only discounts to complimentary swatches, COM to custom by the inch, being a Serena and Lily trade member offers endless inspiration, giving you and your clients the unique look you deserve. Join their trade program by visiting serenaandlily.com slash trade. And now, on with the show. Lindsay, I want to thank you for making the time to sit down and, and chat with me. We've been trying to make this happen, I know, for a while, but it's been such a busy time, it, it seems like, for, mm-hmm. for both of us and the design industry in general. I'm curious, does it still feel that way to you? Does it does it feel like it's still a particularly busy time? It's busy. I think I think it'll slow down as we're just seeing these big changes in consumer spending, essentially. I mean, we'll just... <laughs> which will be nice to have to like calm down a little bit. <laughs> well, and is that sort of how you feel like, oh, actually, you know what? Slowing down a little bit would be, would be great. I mean, is that, is that 100%. really? Oh, for sure. <laughs> because it's just been so, so frantic and, and, and hectic. Well, I don't really want to, um, like, I'm not in a position where I really want to keep, you know, like hiring people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> like, there's like plenty of us. And so right. I'm more into preserving the good and like I don't need a lot of change you know it would be nice if we could just like 
you know, come up with a plan for the year and then stick with it because the market's (laughs) like kind of predictable. Like that's very appealing to me. Yeah. Well, and was that how your business was before COVID? Was there a certain predictability about your business? Yeah, there was a certain predictability. It just, yeah, it went a little bizarre, you know, the home industry. Yeah, it, it got so busy. I think what's, I think what's hard is that, you know, demand went very up, but that, um, you know, there's obvious supply chain, you know, stresses. And so those two things don't really go very well together. So, um, yeah, I think I'm just the type of person who I just like the right tool for the job. You know what I mean? I like to just, have all of us be able to show up at work and do our work rather than like constantly reinventing the wheel. <laughs> like that's not, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot for my team. <laughs> to, I don't know. Some mellowing out of the the market sounds just fine to me. So so a slowdown sounds like just what the doctor ordered <laughs> Pretty for, much. for Lindsay Edelman and Eric Dean. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Well, so... Do you get a sense? I mean, I know we're we're seeing all of these headlines and markets have been a little crazy, but do you get a sense that a meaningful slowdown is is coming? Have you seen any orders canceled for you or people saying they're putting things off? No, not at all. But I um I I mean, I think that over the last a uh, handful of years, um it's just been so high, you know, in terms of Demand. Having, Demand has been so high. Yeah. 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 And um, people feeling like just really comfortable, you know, and very like there's just been a lot of consumer confidence kind of. And that can't, you know, last forever. It's got to, it's got to, it's got to like had to come down at, at some point. So um, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is that things are probably just normalizing now. So uh, give us a sense of in more in more normal times uh, t- tell us a little bit about the the scale and and size of your of your business just to give listeners sort of an idea of the of the shop that you that you run these days yeah so there's about there's about 35 of us now um three are in LA at the showroom there and the rest um are in New York and so we've got um in NoHo so one floor is all uh, uh, production and assembly, and the other floor is uh, the showroom and design and sales. Do you have a lot of representation? I, I noticed that you've got representation in uh, in areas a- a- abroad. I think I saw you were in Greece and Switzerland and and other exotic markets. But do you do you have a lot of showrooms that represent your product, or how are orders generally coming to you? We really love working directly with the clients, and mm. so. Yeah, our international business, like it's, it takes up, I think, a greater and greater percentage of the overall business every year. We, we only work with a very small handful of showrooms globally, um, basically because of the nature of our business. Usually the conversations are pretty in depth and even a standard model has a lot of details, um, to track and the sales team is, you know, really well experienced and we have a customer service team and account managers. And so we're more, we're better suited to sort of serve the interior designer directly. So that's, that's what we do. Well, and, and that that's interesting that the international business ha- has become such a big, such a big portion of your overall business. Yeah, it really, it really is. I think because people probably maybe have seen 
the lights out in the world and um if people just really trust what they see online more you know more and more it's people are really getting used to that seeing even like seeing pieces on you know the phone on instagram like i think that um interior designers can be just a lot more comfortable you know buying things without necessarily seeing them in person and and when we do proposals and you know really create visuals of what a piece could look like in their space it can be enough of a visual and communication for the for the designer the interior designer to um feel comfortable to go for it well it's interesting because last time you and i spoke we were we were talking about icff actually and which which played a which played a big part in in people learning more about you and discovering your work yeah and and at the time, and, and you you said something to me that that in a way, sort of Instagram ha- has become the new ICFF in that it is such a, a powerful tool versus putting together a, a, a trade show and 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 showing there that so many more people can discover you, and as you were just saying, so many more people can make the leap with a photograph in a, in a way that they weren't able to before. I think that's so great for for designers that are just starting out. Is that the investment so much lower and you just get if yeah promoting things on instagram and you can test the waters but also you can you know yeah completely launch a project and fill orders and handle a customer service through dms i mean i think it's great that way it's so immediate and i think that like me you know when i was just starting out and had an intern for it and that was like years and years and years i would have loved to have that kind of a platform. <laughs> so let's tell let's tell people a little bit about you getting started in the in the pre-Instagram age and yeah. uh, I know your your mother was an interior designer herself and and um, you would sometimes get to a, accompany her to the D&D building and and elsewhere, yes? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, growing up in Westchester and my mom had a series of careers that each seemed to last a decade and one of those decades <laughs> was um yeah she was an interior decorator and yeah we tagged along to go to the D building and i understood like coming back with one of those big brunchwick and these bags full of samples <laughs> like i kind of got the gist of it and like even the little samples you know the swatches on the top of the sofas, you know, like lined up for like <laughs> paint swatches on the wall. I think, I think just, yeah, you sort I sort of absorbed, oh, okay, this is, this is a thing that people do. Um, well, yeah. and did she, did she explain? I mean, I, and I can't remember your, your mother was also a, a hypnotherapist at one point. Yeah. I can't remember if she transitioned from hypnotherapist to designer or what the order was. There, yeah, but. that was, yeah, that was later. <laughs> yeah. Was- I feel like I picked up something from each of her careers. <laughs> 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 what, and and what did you pick up from her time as a hypnotherapist? Were you did you did you figure out how to hypnotize people at any point? Because I would think that's very useful. Yeah, yeah some things, some secrets need to be remain secrets. Okay. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's like I think, yeah, I I I think that there's something to that in terms of. Um, well, now I think the popular term is people development when people talk about HR at work, <laughs> but how, um, yeah, that, that when you see, I mean, maybe this is getting off topic, but like seeing, um, 
people's performance at work. And if you see an area where somebody's stuck um, or that you see their, their potential and mm. they're not necessarily radiating in that area and um, they keep hitting the same wall, like while at work, it's not appropriate to like talk about what factors might be affecting that. You, I still can have a lot of compassion for that the things that are getting them stuck might be like lingering from childhood. And so you kind of can play this role of coaching people or trying, I mean, it sometimes will begin, of course, you know, with a disappointment or a frustration or if someone's not meeting expectations, but then I can quickly shift it into, well, this person's at my company, maybe this is the year that they move through something that's kind of been holding them back for 20 years or whatever it is, you know? And so you kind of want to be like that safe space where they could maybe almost surprise themselves with how capable they are, which is not unlike hypnotherapy. It's just like a different way in. And so, yeah, again, at work, like very much respecting professional boundaries, but still, still maybe being able to detect like what's going on. What's the story behind the story? If that, does that make sense? <laughs> It it very much does, and and, and of course yeah. you're 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 so right that so often we're we're all working through various issues, and as and as you were saying, many of them relating to our our early life or our childhood or or things that we that we just sort of never resolved or figured yeah. out, and and often the creative process can be such an incredible place to work through some things or, or, or yeah. to learn more about uh, ourselves. And as you were saying, our, our, our abilities and our capabilities. Yeah. With, with my, with my creative process, I feel like it's, um, uh, it's like the opposite of arduous. You know what I mean? It's like this open, <laughs> it's like an open space. It's like a free fall in a way. I feel like when I'm actually, design when I'm coming up with ideas. Well, and one of the things that, that I found so interesting when, when you and I were speaking recently, you talked about, you talked about the challenge of bringing something into the real world that you have seen so clearly in your imagination and, and how difficult it is in, in real life to, to, to bring that vision forward. And often the reality is, is, is disappointing and, and, and is sort of a, sets you back a bit. It's, it's never exactly the way it is in my mind. And at the same time, I often think of them as almost two different things. And so like, there's something beautiful about just having an idea. Ideas are really easy. It's almost like not um, uh, an expectation that it, it will be exact. And so as it's developing, we learn so much. Like I might have an idea about how glass might behave with a certain tool or certain hardware or doing a certain cold working process on it or cutting or drilling holes or whatever. And then in reality, the glass might, um, you know, break every time in the hot shot before it gets into the annealer. Like in the reality, like the the material will, will kick your butt. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it doesn't lie. Like you're sitting there. It's always, you know, you always feel, 
it's like devastating to watch when you see like three amazing glass artists working for like an hour on a piece and then it's on the floor. But glass artists are so resilient or they wouldn't be doing this. They just sweep it up and keep going. Like it's amazing to me. You know, they're like the next one will be better. And then in the end, it doesn't look like a forced piece because it wasn't. You know, we, we really yielded to Mother Nature or whatever you want to say. <laughs> like, you, ha- you know, and then I think that um, that is what I strive for in my pieces, too, that they look unfussy and that they look almost like they grew there and that they are just being them, you know? Like, I, like <laughs> there's an unselfconsciousness that I really try to achieve. Well, it's it, it's it's like the great writers just throwing out hundreds of pages just to yeah. just to get that one perfect sentence. Practically, yeah, right? yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And there's nothing I would rather do on Earth for sure, like than to spend time prototyping and trying things and trying like, yeah, like revision A, B, C, D, E. Like, there's absolutely nothing I would rather do with my time. That is the truth. <laughs> like. <laughs> But definitely, like everything I do is all is just to get, you know, like the, the admin done just to like get back to that place of of letting of working on ideas and letting them evolve. Like I'm not really even that I'm never really interested in like ending or the, <laughs> the final like it's not it's not interesting to me, you know, and I, I think so it's weird. It's just like this development is like a good match for my personality i guess well and and that's that's one of the things and we got we got totally sidetracked from talking about the early days but one of the things i find fascinating about you as you were just saying is that the end product isn't even necessarily the goal no right because right that's exactly right yeah because you're like well that's today's end product but i'm already thinking that, oh, now that I see this can't work this way, I'm going to go in this direction. And you just want to keep having things evolve. And and so it's never yeah, really definitely. finished. Yeah, definitely. And, and maybe that's how a lot of creative people are. I'm not sure. But like when I walk through our showroom, I don't, I don't really see the lights, I don't think, you know, like the finished pieces, I just, I don't really see them. And what I do see, though, are the little bits of things emerging yeah things that are finished um yeah they're just not it's not like a live wire feeling for me anymore you know we're taking a quick break from the show to remind listeners about serena and lily known for their unique coastal inspired mix serena and lily makes good design their business working with trade professionals like you to transform interiors Join their trade program to enjoy exclusive trade discounts and flat rate delivery, COM and complimentary swatches, and services tailored to your specific needs, like extra customization options and extended returns. You can even use their design shops as an extension of your workspace. Become a trade member at serenaandlily.com slash trade. And now, back to the show. I want to take things back to talking about the early days. Mm-hmm. Even though your mother was a decorator, originally you weren't thinking that would be your career. Lighting design, industrial design, as I recall, weren't even fields you were familiar with. Mm-hmm. You went to college, 
got an English degree. And if I remember correctly, you were working in the editorial yeah. department at the Smithsonian. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, first I got a BA at Kenyon in English and, and, and I'm so glad that I had that experience and read all those books and, you know, I'm really glad I can write an email today. <laughs> like, it's good. It's, it Turns out that's a very useful. It's good. Skill. It's good. Yeah. And I do love reading it. Um, and then, and then I, yeah, I think when I was at the Smithsonian and I was sort of like, yeah, got sight of the people who were making all of these artifacts for the exhibitions and, um, the Air and Space Museum and the Natural History Museum and um, the conservation, all that stuff. And I was just like, that was like a way cooler job. (laughs) (laughs) I I really was amazed. I had never really been exposed to essentially people doing physical work like that for a job, like growing what? Yeah, growing up, really. Um, It was, and to be able to show up at work at like kind of a workbench where you're not a sculptor or you're not like an artist alone in a studio trying to make a go of your career independently. And you're also not, um, you know, like installing windows or something like that. Like I <laughs> was, I just, I was like, my God, this, this, I never really thought about that niche of making things sort of like within a context, you know, that's, um, so you have like guaranteed work essentially. Um, mm. but that, you don't show up and you're just like buried on your computer and then go home. Like I knew I did not want to be at a desk all day, a hundred percent. And so that's basically why I was like, I'm going to figure this out so that I can go to a job and like be standing and use my hands and be at a workbench. Like that was my number one thing. I wasn't even that I thought, I mean, I assumed I would just do exhibition design because that's like the only thing I knew at that point and kind Mm. of like looked at where that was and then heard about RISD at a party. And then I, yeah, just, I just applied there and it really did change everything. And I'm just, I'm so glad that I follow that little instincts of like, that's resonating with me. Just like even just how, what my, like the posture my body would take at work. Like really, it was the simplest, simplest things that I, because that's really all I knew about it. So I'm so happy I paid attention to that little inner voice. And I think that's still such an important way to go through life because you can't expect anybody else to really understand that or like tell you it's a good idea. Like that's too much to ask of other people, you know, Um, which I think is also such a good life lesson. Like my friends and family love me, but no one would be like, Yes, risk everything and do that, you know? I want to give people an understanding of the early days of of starting your your business. And so, and I'm curious just quickly about how lighting ended up being what you landed on coming out of of RISD and and learning all all of these different things that you might do. How did how did lighting become a, a focus for you? Well, I was still in school. I started doing lighting and um, I think I, I started experimenting with it. Because I think I found it so gratifying uh, when I learned how simple it was to wire 
lights and how quickly you could kind of like test out an idea, you know, and like, mm. and sort of go through many iterations, like pretty fast and how it, it was just so satisfying. You could kind of like really change how a room felt. And, um, it was also just so like f- flexible and forgiving in many ways, um, compared to a lot of what my peers were doing, you know, which like when you design and make a chair, for example, like that is hardcore. <laughs> like that is like, that is, that is really, really difficult getting everything right. The pitch and the proportions and, you know, and um, yeah, how people feel in, in it, you know, and how different bodies it was, and it goes on the floor, like that. I'll, I don't really have a long attention span either. And I think that's also why I was just like, this lighting thing is amazing. Cause you could just, uh, I was like super inspired by, I discovered like Inga Maurer's work and Gitana Pesci's work. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so cool to be able to be a designer and make a functional object, but that still like just embrace such a sculptural process and, that you could just make so many, so many versions of something, um, so quickly. And the materials I could try out was super open-ended. Like I did a lot of rubber lights and, um, plastic. Yeah. Like, and these like <laughs> folded, like looking back, they're actually not even that different than what I'm doing today in glass, which is really weird. But, um, yeah, I, I really fell in love with it. And like, I tried solar stuff, battery operated stuff, like multiple bulbs, one bulb, different types of bulbs. And you, as a student, you're just like ordering things from weird places. Like there was no, like it was, you know, the early nineties. And so a lot of it was just like getting your hands on the catalog or calling a company that you've heard of, or like going to hardware stores and trying to find stuff like the parts themselves were not very attractive or like sophisticated, but they would work in terms of trying, yeah, like just trying out ideas and putting your form on the outside of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. And I really, I got into like reinventing every part of it. Like, why does a plug need to look like this? Why do electrical wires need to look like this? Why, you know, why does it need to hang from this point in a room? And so like very early on, I started really, messing with what we would typically assume is a lamp and just kind of got addicted really yeah we're taking a quick break from the show to remind listeners about vaughn designers are drawn to vaughn lighting textiles and furniture because they cover a spectrum of styles and eras yet every piece has a signature aesthetic Clean lines, streamlined simplicity, and a purity of form define their design philosophy, one that is rarely affected by fleeting trends. Trade professionals are invited to sign on to Vaughn's website to create a trade profile where you can conveniently view designer net pricing, request a quote directly from their sales team, easily download technical specification sheets and installation guides, Use their Project Planner tool to gather inspiration and save products by room. Use the register link at vaughndesign.com to sign up for your trade profile today. And now, back to the show. So, 
let's leap to you had various experiences, and I know you partnered with with David Weeks for for a time, and yeah, and and the the two of you worked together, and then two thousand six, you you decide you're you're finally ready to to sort of open your own studio. Mm-hmm. Tell me, t- tell me about. Tell me about that that time, and and I I remember you talking to me about the this this early piece that you were making with a very specific client in in, in mind, and I I wonder if you can tell us that that story. Yeah, so yeah, I started out when um, somebody had asked, they were just asking artists and designers to make pieces, for, artists and designers from Brooklyn to make pieces as like for a model home essentially in Brooklyn by an architect, and there was like a row of like these f- like fourteen townhouses essentially, and so we were all invited to put pieces into the one that they were kind of using as the selling point for the model home. And it ended up being a really great group of designers and artists. And I had had this idea for the branching, a version, the early version of the branching bubble. Mm. Um, and I remember, and but I was really, I had taken two years off to for Finn and... Um, to be a mom, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I actually remember thinking like do I dip my toe back into this design world? Cause I was thinking that I would just dip my toe into the art world instead at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being like, but this is really like drawing me in and I want to see if I can make this thing in my head. And I want to see if I want to see what the response is too. Like I was just curious. And so that was kind of the first branching bubbles were for, for that show. And that was I don't know what year that was. Maybe, maybe that was 2006. And the response was good and neighbors, like if this row of townhouses started ordering them. And so I really had to quickly like figure out how to, how to make them and deliver them. And I learned a lot really quickly. And I was also like super scared and didn't sleep all the time because I was (laughs) worried that they would just like fall on a baby or something. Like I was just like, it was just a nerve wracking time, (laughs) but I figured it out. And then, yeah, decided to do a show at ICFF. Um, and a lot of times when I design, and certainly this time, I was like almost designed for like one part of one part of me, you know, being a Gemini <laughs> and having a lot of different sides of me. And so I, I was like, I kind of want to do something that's just like not what's happening in the world. This like tasteful silver. Um, pared down minimalist thing I was like I think I just want to do things like over the tops and just I don't know like I'm just gonna go with that and so yeah created this like fantasy client of Donatella Versace and I was like I'm gonna get all these I'm gonna send all these parts out and get them all plated in 24 karat gold I just <laughs> did I just, just did it and then I experimented with the glass and did more gold on there and this process called Marini and um, and I, you know, everything was like on track with schedule to do the show. Uh, the parts came back, and as I opened the box and just saw these gold parts, they were just like so polished and bright, and my heart just sunk. I was just like, "What was? What was I? Like, was I having like a margarita when I just <laughs> made that decision? Like, what?" was I thinking like people are going to hate this, you know? And I was like, well, you too late now. Like you put your deposit down on your booth and there's no time to do anything else. And you just have to like go through it. But there's like a lot of doubt. And so 
then yeah, just like built them and went for it and showed them and it was, it worked. It was, it was good. So, um, so it, so it had a great response. So they, they it was good. This yeah. over the this over the top and and very much a departure for both the time and from your normal aesthetic. It sounds yeah it sounds like because I remember you telling me when you first got the boxes of parts, you practically threw up. You thought I it was really so did. so so vulgar looking. I really but, did. <laughs> but but it, it, as you say, it was it was one of your layers, and and you were you were channeling Donatella, and and people people really responded well, and in a way, it really got you got you going yeah it for sure got me going and i think also encouraged me like even today to continue to make work like that when you're like i don't know where this idea is coming from and i didn't even know i had this like part of me in here that's kind of weird but i'm not gonna stop like if you just don't stop and think about it i think that really interesting stuff comes out and i still trust that i think it's getting off topic but like there's I think there's so much more inside of each one of us that mm. we are not tapped into. And when you just like, it, if it just comes in a flash in front of your face, like just don't doubt it. Like, so what if it doesn't feel like quote unquote you? Like, I think that we live in these, you know, conditioned little routines, little orbits. And um, there's just so much more to us than that that it might not make any sense but it I think it just like just adds way more variety to life I think if you yeah if we all just act on it essentially these little flashes well and and I love your use of the word surrender surrender to those feelings surrender Mm -hmm. to that create creative process mm-hmm. and let and let that consume you and see where it takes you see what mm-hmm. you end up creating out yeah. of this notion that that you start off questioning but if you turn it around and just completely surrender to it yeah. it, 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 it it takes you to to an unexpected place maybe a wonderful place maybe it doesn't work as you were saying earlier maybe yeah. oh I see why no one's done this before it actually doesn't work yeah. <laughs> that that happens, but also yeah. sometimes. I mean, the the early work that you did, the, the the branching bubble chandelier, just continues to evolve. And you were, yeah. and you were, you were worried about would it would it completely collapse? Would it fall on someone's oh, head? Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. And I think, like, sort of coupled with that surrender, you know, is it fun? Is it fun? Is it funny? Right. You know, then do it because <laughs> I feel like that also is like the leading. It's like so major if you are actually having a good time doing it or like or just really want to be with the people that you're collaborating with like that's that's such a big reason I think to do things and to to follow those little that little voice in your head that's like curious about what it might be like over there those are definitely like my favorite memories and also like the pivots of my life if I look back of like, oh, wow, that took a turn for the better. It's usually when I'm like, oh, it looks kind of fun over there. Let me try it. <laughs> well, and, and is that, I mean, from all of that, mm-hmm. you, ha- you have built a, 
a, a really big business. I mean, as we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. you've you've got a, yeah. you've got thirty five people on your mm-hmm. on your team and and are selling products all over the world. And Gwyneth mm-hmm. Paltrow's a fan, and and mm-hmm. and so many designers uh, love the work that you that you do and 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 seek you out. And is it is it that energy? that you sur- surrender to that has led to this success for you do you think oh that's such a nice that's a nice for you to say all those things and i think that yeah it's such a nice question to be asked i do yeah so i <laughs> i think in that word surrender it also implies acceptance and allowance which is everything as well it's all they're all very similar and so the surrender's almost like you can't um, like the writings on the wall in many ways, like you can't beat the reality. Like you can't, no need to fight what's actually happening. Like just learn how to like play with it. And that's like, that is, has a lot to do with surrender. And so you're like really paying attention to like what's actually happening and then figuring out like some lightness to it, you know, just like, yeah, the surrender and the, Acceptance and allowance. I sound like a yoga teacher right now. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> well, but like, well, yeah, that is it. Because if I'm interested, if I'm like genuinely engaged and curious and excited about something, it will resonate with someone. Like it's just kind of, it's just the way I think our human connectedness works. Like if I'm excited about it or you or the project or the client or the, you know, like, the person on the receiving end is going to feel that. To, to be sure, to be sure, and I and I and I know that we're running out of time, and I have to let you go. But I want to, I want to talk about the business side of things quickly before you sure. go, because sure. I I know that you do have a lot to to share, and that you can offer to to those who are just starting out. Or sure, or, yeah. Tell me what 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 words you would impart to to. To people starting out, to to, to artisans mm-hmm. and craftspeople, and also designers who are building their businesses. I mean, what have you what have you learned along the way that you feel is so important? There's a number of different things. I feel like I'd probably answer this differently any day that people would ask me this. <laughs> to be honest, so like today's answer is today's I think answer. I you know I think that there's something about when people give advice or guidance or feedback even if they're like specialists or expertise in their area or seasoned that that to always remember that like that they're speaking from their own experience and they're speaking of course with your best interest in mind and that that's a real gift but that each designer has to answer for themselves as well because that's the only way it's going to make it so it's kind of like if someone's telling you, oh, this would be a good business plan, this would be good for marketing, this would, you know, hit an audience. If as a designer you're not into it, don't try, like, don't waste your time. Like, really pay attention to what you're super, super duper into and then kind of like couple it, combine it with all of the experience that you can learn from others, mistakes other people share with you. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like, never abandon yourself in your project. Don't, don't lose touch with why you're, why you got into it in the first place. What's driving you? What's your, like the fantasy in your head. And so I think that that's like 
that's like the road for success is like you have one foot in practicality of like, okay, this is, this is like the word on the street. This is the writing on the wall. Like this is like the, this is the reality of like, I have to collaborate with reality and with like what sells or how to make a profit. Like you have to have one foot deeply planted there. Then you Mm -hmm. have to have the other foot deeply planted in like getting super real with yourself. So, and it's not easy to do like um, to balance those two, to balance those two things of being really, really humble and receptive to, you know, what the consumer wants and what's resonating and like how to deliver something that, that works and how to deal with things when they don't work, like all that stuff. And then the other part of it, I think I'm more talking about, yeah, the experience of it, of like, make sure that the work you do, the kind of type of challenge that you crave um, to keep busting through to new levels. So yeah, we'll have challenges all the time thrown at us that we wouldn't choose. So that's like real, but then like to make sure that you're creating the type of challenge you do want in order to really like soar at the end when you bust through them. Well, and isn't that the challenge for us all staying humble and receptive while also, as you put it, staying super true to ourselves. Lindsay, thank you so much for making the time. I, I really appreciate it and I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It was really, really fun. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nikolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.